0: Hey, everyone, I'm Jonathan Capehart, and welcome to this special edition of Cape Up. It's the 4th of July, and what better time to reflect on what we've learned over the last six months about the 45th president of the United States. Arthur Brooks, Justin Guest, and Matt Schlapp talk about Trump voters. Maxine Waters and Chris Coons express a decidedly grim view of the president. The president of Estonia talks about the importance of democracy. And Antony Blinken will round things out with the perfect story on a day when we celebrate the promise of America. Everyone was shocked Donald Trump won the presidency. Heck, even he was. So I set out to try to understand the appeal of the thrice-married Manhattan builder who insulted his way into the Oval Office. Please listen to what is being said. Their vote was crazy. The reasons behind it actually aren't. To Arthur Brooks, president of the American Enterprise Institute,
1: it boils down to one word, dignity. Donald Trump spoke to people about their dignity. I didn't say that he spoke in a dignified way. I said that he believed in the dignity of the people who were had been left behind a lot of these people who had been left behind listen to his words when he talks about I'm going to fight for you I'm going to I'm going to work to bring back your jobs you know he's he's not saying I'm going to get you some more welfare he says you deserve to work because you want to work I believe that you have dignity inherent I don't, I don't believe African Americans in America were, were inspired by Obama just because of his inspiring life story it was very inspiring or not just because he was a personally very dignified person but he believes in the dignity of people at the periphery of society and people can tell when you believe in their dignity now again could we have had a better exemplar of that who was more dignified and didn't use Twitter yeah <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> but that's but, why I'm asking your listeners and that's why I'm asking the people that I hang out with too Like him or hate him, learn from him. Learn from him that there should be nobody who's left behind and that everybody should be treated with a a sense of their own dignity.
0: But when put that way, I can understand that quest for dignity by Trump voters. But that's only the beginning. There's something bigger happening. George Mason University professor Justin Guest, author of The New Minority, White Working Class Politics in an Age of Immigration and Inequality, gets to the heart of the matter. Not only did Trump ask for their vote, he restored to the forgotten their sense of
2: political prominence. For many of the voters who I interviewed in Ohio in particular, yeah, a lot of them did vote for Barack Obama twice. And the reason why they voted Donald Trump is a mix of desperation and the fact that Donald Trump is the first politician in over a generation to make a deliberate appeal for their votes. He is he was the ringleader of this sense of group consciousness amongst white working class people. Going back to the very beginning of this podcast, he is the he created that sense of consciousness with his message that was so directly appealing to poor white voters. And the desperation comes from the fact that a lot of these voters have supported Republicans previously. They've protested. They've sat elections out. They voted for lots of Democrats. Nothing seems to work. So much of Donald Trump's politics is symbolic. So the the his purpose and many of his statements and policy visions is not necessarily practical in the sense that they're actually achievable or feasible. They're symbolic in the sense that this is what people want to hear. And if it doesn't get done, it's almost beside the point because he is elevating the the prerogatives of his constituents to the national stage after having been relegated to the fringes of American politics for decades. And so Donald Trump has become a white working class symbol because he is the one who has returned them to prominence in American politics.
0: And with that return to prominence in American politics came a strong whiff of racism, among a few other isms that came to define Trump's candidacy. Matt Schlapp, chairman of the American Conservative Union, says not so fast. What he sees isn't racism. It's the working class from the left and the right uniting against big companies and
3: powerful interests that have done them harm. The Trump campaign did very well in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, in Ohio, with working class folks, with blue collar folks. The, um, if, you, if, you, if you kind of look at the way the coalition is coming together, this administration is actually doing very well with voices who would normally be associated with the Democratic Party. Now, you might see racism there. I don't. What I see there is people who are saying, hey, these big entities and institutions aren't giving me a fair shake. I don't see racism there. I don't know everyone's heart. Everyone has to speak for what's in their own heart. But what I see there is actually an interesting chance where voices on the left and voices on the right can work together to say, yeah, maybe there shouldn't be some kind of collusion amongst the big companies in a given sector or whatever that in a way where it hurts somebody who is less powerful. Um, I actually think it's the opposite of what these charges are. The Democrats I talked to over the last six months have great
0: respect for those voters who sought solace in a Trump presidency. What they can't abide is the man himself. And no one has been more unsparing in her opinion of the president than Auntie Maxine. Congresswoman Maxine Waters of California.
2: Well, first of all, the president is capable of saying and doing almost anything. And he doesn't learn from what we would think are mistakes, Every time he's in an interview or he has the opportunity to have an opinion, he gets worse. And so he does not appear to have any caution. And, of course, you can't trust uh, anything that he has to say. But don't forget, this man has no good values. He is a, a, a person, he's indecent. He's a person that certainly cannot be a role model for our children or for anybody else. And so the fact that he is a president of the United States is dangerous for us all.
0: Senator Chris Coons of Delaware was more measured in his jaundiced view of President Trump and his abilities, but his objections are as specific as they are worrisome. I am... Um gravely concerned about the actions of this president, our president, um, partly because uh, I think he shows a real lack of understanding of exactly how government works and um, the balance of power and um, what sort of ethical constraints he's operating under or should be operating under. Um, And I'm concerned that he is determined to keep being unpredictable, I think was the word he used in the Mm -hmm. campaign, uh, and bold um, to the point of putting us at risk in terms of our safety globally. He is confusing our allies. Um, He's encouraging our enemies. Uh, He's creating openings um, that I am convinced uh, a hostile force will take advantage of. And he is failing to take seriously enough uh, Russia's actions in, in interfering in our last election. You put all those things in combination. um, And I think this is a a moment of great peril, uh, both for our country's safety and for our democracy. No wonder the Yale Divinity School graduate told me he's praying more than usual these days. But folks, on this 4th of July, let's be reminded of something. Democracy and our nation's role as a stalwart protector of it are worth celebrating no matter who the president is. The importance of democracy was brought home to me during an interview with Kersti Kalulite, the president of Estonia, a Baltic nation that has been free from Russian occupation since 1991.
1: I remember in 1991, Estonia uh, regained its independence and we were indeed very poor, but we were proud that we were free. And actually, when we were fighting the Soviet oppression, it was very much on the grounds that we cannot say what we think. You couldn't say Estonia is occupied, or you couldn't use your flag, blue, black, and white flag. You were oppressed, and we wanted freedoms. Of course, we also want prosperity. And prosperity normally comes to the countries which have a rule of law. That's pretty obvious. But the first reason we wanted our freedom back was to be independent, to decide for ourselves, and to be a free, functional democracy. Mm.
0: The United States played a big role in the yearning to be free of people around the world like those in Estonia. Millions fought and died for democracy. Millions more were lifted up by its promise and inspired by what America represented as its most powerful and successful practitioner. And no story exemplifies this more than the one former Deputy Secretary of State Antony Blinken told me back in March... During our interview, he used my question about his spectacular upbringing to deliver the most moving and patriotic response you'll
4: ever hear. You know, I think we're all the product to some extent, and sometimes to a great extent, of um, our families and of our family' stories. And in a way, in my case, this moment especially resonates because of those stories. Mm-hmm. Unless, we were, uh, unless we're Native American, we're all immigrants to this country. And in my case, I have my closest family members, all of whom were either immigrants or refugees uh, in one way or another. My father's father came here fleeing a pogrom uh, in uh, what is now uh, Russia, or actually now Ukraine, technically, um, at the turn of the last century. And he was embraced and built a life in the United States, argued before the Supreme Court sent three sons to Ivy League schools, but from nothing. But he came through Ellis Island, and he was embraced. My stepmother was Hungarian-born. She literally, in the dead of night, as a young girl with her mother, fled the communists, got out by train, had a sham. Her mother had a sham marriage to someone. She, too, was embraced by the United States, came here, built a great life, and wound up giving back uh, to refugees over the course of 20 or 30 years. And then finally, my stepfather you alluded to. He was one of 900 children in his school in Bialystok, Poland, uh, before the Second World War. He's the only one to have survived. Mm. And his entire immediate family, mother, father, sister, were, were wiped out. He spent four years in the concentration camps Auschwitz, Dachau, Majdanek, you name it. At the very end of the war, he was on a death march out of one of the camps. And he and a few others made a run for it in the Bavarian forest. And somehow they managed to survive the gunfire from the German troops. They hid out in the woods. And a day or two later, he heard a rumbling sound. And he looked out, and instead of seeing the dreaded swastika, he saw a five pointed white star on a tank. And he ran for the tank into this clearing, which was insane, but he did. And the hatch of the tank opened, and a very large African American GI looked down at him. And he got down on his knees and said the only three words in English that he knew and that his mother had taught him. God bless America. And the GI pulled him into the tank, pulled him into freedom, pulled him into the United States. That to me is who we are. That to me is what we stand for. That is the beauty and power of the United States across the world. Those are the stories I grew up with. Those are the stories that motivated me to try to play a small part in diplomacy and public service. After that, there's
0: nothing left to say except happy 4th of July, everyone. Thanks for listening to k Up. Tune in every Tuesday. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. And how about doing me a huge favor? Subscribe, rate, and review us. I'm Jonathan Capehart of The Washington Post. You can find me on Twitter at CapehartJ.
4: If you like Cape Up with Jonathan Capehart, you should check out some of our other great podcasts. Like Can He Do That? with Alison Michaels, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency. Or try Other, Mixed Race in America, a mini-series of stories to make you think about race, identity, and what it means to be an American. You can find these shows anywhere you listen to podcasts and learn more online at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts. The Washington, Washington, Washington Post.